If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. This week, Top 5 sequels that are better than the original. Rodrigo, I know you have a lot of deep thoughts about sequels. And so what do you have as your number 5 as you kick off the show this week? All right. So on my list, I arrange them uh, not necessarily in how they compare to each other but like how superior they are to the original. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so my number five is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, I talked about, on top five, I talked about how the uh, T-1000 is the coolest, scariest version of the Terminator. Right. And how it's actually super cool to have the T-800 basically become a good guy. Um, it's, uh, but once you get past that, it's exactly the same movie as Terminator. Mm-hmm. Like well, right down the to, the, to the right down to the semi exploding. It's the yeah. exact same movie, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not you know again it's on my number five not because it's not as good of a piece of a piece as the rest of them, but because it's actually still very close to um, to Terminator. Uh, if you see yeah. if you look at something like Alien into aliens is like alien is a horror movie aliens is an action movie terminator is like a an action horror movie but you know the horror element is there because the terminator is unstoppable but you know uh, but so is terminator too like they, they didn't it's like not a big enough jump for it to like even qualify as a different genre or or to, to change things that much so uh it's my number five all right very cool uh also, i know a lot of people were wondering if that was going to show up on somebody's list. Matthew, what do you got? It's also my number five. Oh, okay. The nice. thing about Terminator 2 that really sticks for me is exactly what you said, Rodrigo. It is a movie that is almost a, a, just a, a relaunch. It's like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, really the same movie. Mm-hmm. Terminator and Terminator 2, really the same movie. But what it does better than anything is show that the original Terminator, which came out in 84, is just about seven years ahead of its time because Terminator 2 is a perfect distillation of 1991. I remember playing the Terminator 2 video game in the uh, arcade before I ever saw the movie. I remember people quoting it. I remember hasta la vista, baby. All of these moments that just kind of seeped into the zeitgeist before I ever saw the movie. And then when I saw the movie, 
I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. And it ends with that thing. You're like, oh, good. We've stopped the evil future and there cannot ever be any sequels, you know, to which uh, everyone in Hollywood went, oh, ha ha. But as far as the Terminator franchise, which I think is like nine movies and a TV show at this point, it's not based so much on that original Terminator film. It's really based on Terminator 2. Terminator 2 has all of the moments that keep coming back. Linda comes back and she gets more and more ripped and more and more badass. Arnold comes back and he gets more and more human and more and more, you know, soft and beardy and everything. <laughs> but you don't ever see a moment where, you know, somebody rips off Bill Paxton's head as a, you know, a, a throwback to that first movie. The first movie is sort of like the trial balloon. Terminator 2 is the heart, the, the soul, the, the stem for lack of a better word, of that Terminator franchise. Very cool. Well, my number five, I went in a completely different direction, uh, moved away from movies, and my number five is Street Fighter II, the video game. Street Fighter II, uh, the video game, of course, uh, a sequel to the uh, to the uh, uh, the series. Uh, uh, now, now it slipped my mind. Not Street Fighter, but the one that uh, Street Fighter was based on. Now I can't. Now uh, I can't think of it. Uh, you mean? The movie? Well, no, no, the, movie, the like, arcade game. It is a Street Fighter. Yeah, no, I know, but before that, Street Fighter is actually based on a different video game series. Was it like Kung Fu or something like that? And mm. uh, then, then they were like, "Oh, well, maybe we should just take the best part of this Kung Fu video game and call it Street Fighter." And it was just basically, it was fine. Street Fighter, the first game, is fine. I remember playing it at the arcade a couple of times, and I thought it was fine. Uh, and then Street Fighter 2 came out when I was in college, and it was really cool. You're fighting in different world locations. The graphics were certainly a lot better. You had some more what I thought as menacing uh, opponents to fight, uh, depending on who the menacing appoint, uh, opponent was. But uh, yeah, Street Fighter 2, uh, very much a superior video game to the original and the original before it. So that is my number five. Uh, Street Fighter 2 is my number one. Ah, okay. Sorry to... Sorry to steal your thunder there. That's all right. Um, yeah, Street Fighter 2. Uh, Street Fighter was, as you said, fine. And in fact, it wasn't. It was actually a pretty it's, bad game. It, yeah, I, I rewatched. I rewatched like a replay. You know, somebody played a video um, of that on YouTube. And I was like, man, this is nothing like I remember. In and fact, it's not that great. In, in fact, Street Fighter was such a bad game that they were just going to go in a completely different direction with the Street Fighter franchise. Uh, they were going to make, they basically started working on Final Fight as a sequel to Street Fighter, and it was going to call, be called like Street Fighter 89 or something, or whenever it was going to come out. But then they came back and decided, you know what, let's just try to do this 1v1 fighting game thing again. And they did Street Fighter 2, and Street Fighter 2 just like, you know, like the doctor travels back to Street Fighter 2 as a fixed point in time. Like it just warped video games mm -hmm. forever to this day fighting games are still doing street fighter 2 and you can say well mortal Kombat was was very influential virtua fighter tekken also very influential and it's like and they are but those guys all exist within this like is doing street fighter bubble right everything fighting games is basically doing some version of street fighter in my opinion, the first game to not do Street Fighter 
was it was Super Smash Brothers, right? Because mm-hmm. it had like the um, percentage based health and the like. You have to knock somebody out of a platform to beat them. You can't just wail on them until they fall over, right? Um, even something that we look in fight, look at fighting games and say and see as something like very cool and normal, which is combos. Combos were accidentally invented in Street Fighter because of some uh, like frame data that wasn't working correctly, and players discovered that they could do that. They could basically lock an opponent out by pressing certain buttons that could cancel into each other. Um, and the guys at Capcom looked at that and said, well, people love that. Should we fix that? And then they said, like, no, we should lean into it. And then combos were born, right? Um, yeah, Street Fighter 2 is... Like, Street Fighter is very much a prototype for what these games could be, but they could have just as easily just abandoned that, and mm-hmm. then we we wouldn't have fighting games as we know them today, right? Street Fighter 2 really changed the trajectory of everything yeah so while street fighter was not that great of a game it it, the it is the sequel to the game that i was thinking of kung fu master from 1984 Ah. which was kind of like a side scroller uh based on a um jackie chan movie and they were just Mm -hmm. like okay let's do this uh, side scroller game and then when they were making street fighter they were like well what if we just take that final boss fight which really isn't a boss fight it's pretty lame um and what if we just make that the game and that's where Street Fighter came from for uh, for people that want a little bit more insight on that. But I'm glad you and I, Rodrigo, come to the same conclusion that Street Fighter 2 is definitely a sequel better than the original. And now we move on to our number four. And what do you have for your number four, Rodrigo? Uh, what do I have for my number four? Uh, my number four, I might get some flack about, um, but I'm going to stand by it. Uh, I prefer... Uh, Metallica's Unforgiven 2 to Unforgiven. What? See? Um, I'm fine with this. I think it is very much a generational thing. I like <laughs> when I started paying attention, uh, Metallica had already already had like six albums out, right? Um, so I didn't have the progression of you know, progressively faster, progressively more melodic um, metal. Uh, I just kind of showed up and somebody was like, hey, listen to Master of Puppets. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. And then Reload came out and I was like, oh, I like Metallica. I'll listen to this. So Reload is kind of weirdly formative for me as far as like my opinion on Metallica. And people hated that album. <laughs> like Metallica fans were like, what is this? Um and that's probably why I like it. You know, I I have a lot of opinions like this where I'm like, uh, like, I like Dungeons and Dragons fourth edition because it's the least Dungeons and Dragons like edition. Yeah. Um, and I probably like Reload because it's not very Metallica because they were trying to go in a different direction. And I like Unforgiven, too, because it is is probably the flagship of that um, of that album. Um, and it's just trying to do something else. And I just like it better. When I went back and listened to Unforgiven, I like it. I like Unforgiven as well. Um, but I like Unforgiven too a little bit more. Very cool. Matthew, what do you have in your number four slot? Is, is it also Metallica too? <laughs> I knew, like Matthew is like, there's a, I, I think there's a lot of people that are going to have this reaction to that. Yeah. I feel like the, the big part of that song that I cannot quite wrap 
my head around it, maybe genius, it may be cheese sandwich, is the phrase, are you unforgiven too? Right, right, right. Because it's like, is it is it amazing or is it just too? I no, I, I totally feel that. Even as, even having listened to it for the first time and not having heard the other one, I heard that and I knew that was the title of the song. And I was like, yeah is that good or is that terrible? And I, <laughs> I still, I still haven't made up my mind about it. And I think that's part of the, the appeal of the song. All right. Very cool. Uh, so Matthew, what do you have for your, for your number four? Okay. So my number four is another example where it actually is the third installment of the series, but it is the basis of the series. And my number four, which probably should be my number three is Grand Theft Auto 3. And if you've never played Grand Theft Auto or Grand Theft Auto 2, they're both um, d- top-down games where you're literally driving a car. So you're, you know, you're seeing the streets of London and you're looking down on the car. Grand Theft Auto 3 came out in 2001, taking advantage of the incredible graphic power of the PlayStation, um, which you know by today's standards is nothing. But you literally could just wander the world. You get in a car, you go places, you do things. There are missions. And if you're on a mission, you kind of have to stay on mission, but not always. And when you initially start the game, there are three islands in Grand Theft Auto 3. You initially start the game with one island partially unlocked. And as you go through the game, you open up more of the gameplay world. And As you go, you find more powerful weapons, more powerful vehicles. You find people who know you, people who work for you. And by the end of Grand Theft Auto 3, you're in this, not exactly fully realized, but this vaguely realistic take on New York City where you're a mafia guy. You you don't even have a name. Uh, The character is retroactively given the name Claude because apparently at one point in Grand Theft Auto programming, they named him Claude to give him a name. But if you actually go and play Grand Theft Auto 4, no, excuse me, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. No, I'm sorry. Grand Theft Auto, I don't know. The one with CJ. What is that? Anyway. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, Claude comes back and you actually have to beat him in a race. And you're like, oh, man. But wait, and it's a first-person perspective game. So you're walking down the street, and you get attacked by a guy, and he's beating you up, and you have to fight. Or you can run up to a car, you open the door, you take the car, and you drive away. It's just really, really good stuff. And it's it's the basis of everything that comes later. San Andreas, and Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto 4, and Grand Theft Auto 5 all build on this game. To the point where if you look at, you know, all of the protagonists that come later, they all have something in common with this nameless guy in Grand Theft Auto. uh, And that is that they're killer psychopathic murderers. And also they drive really, really well and really, really fast. So if you've never played Grand Theft Auto 3, by 2023, I feel like 25-year-old graphics aren't going to have the oomph that they had in 2001. But Boy, this game just, it'll knock you in the dirt. It's really, really good. Very cool. Uh, my number four is a sequel, obviously. Uh, we've already kind of <laughs> name-dropped the uh, movies that came before it, Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2. 
Uh, right. th- that means that the next movie in the series, Army of Darkness, Army of Darkness is really far superior to uh, Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, mainly because, and we'll talk about this in the major spoilers pre-show uh, for those of you that are patrons, is because it is a totally different movie than the first two. Yes, it still falls into the the horror genre. Yes, it still kind of, uh, it, you know, it includes Ash Williams fighting deadites and zombies and all these things that would then later be kind of the focus of the series. But it's it's a dark comedy uh, more than anything. And I think that's what's really appeals to me. And if you look at all of the Bruce Campbell catchphrases that would inspire generations of other uh, characters like him, uh, a lot of those those quips, a lot of those one liners come from Army of Darkness. And it's just a fun movie to sit down and watch. It's not too scary. It's not too silly. It's kind of right there in between. And so Army of Darkness is by far my favorite sequel of that entire series. Okay, we've moved on to number three. And Rodrigo, I think we've come back around to you once again with your number three. Uh, My number three is Dragon Age 2. Um, Also a video game. I don't know if you guys have played it. Um, So the the legend is that, well, this isn't part of the legend. This is true. Bioware used to have the rights to publish Dungeons & Dragons games and Star Wars games. Um, because they sort of both existed within the same gaming place because Wizards of the Coast had the license for Star Wars. Um, So eventually, that went away, and they lost... uh, Bioware lost both Dungeons & Dragons and uh, Star Wars, but they still had some stuff in the tube that they were starting to work on. So, again, the legend is that Dragon Age is basically a rework of their Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and Mass Effect is a rework of their Star Wars stuff. Um, Hmm. And Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age, has a very cool story and sets up the world in a really cool way. And sort of in a sort of unfortunate way, um, in in a way that's like too sort of like self-contained. Um, so it would have been difficult to make a sequel. Uh, here's the thing. Clearly they meant to make a sequel because the first Dragon Age game is called the Dragon Age colon Origins, which if you've seen stuff like, uh, what, like Remo Williams, mm-hmm. like The Adventure Begins and, uh, um, Bakaru Banzai promising you that the crime syndicates right. come in. Like, Star takes... Wars starting with part four. Yep, it takes some uh, avocados to <laughs> to start a franchise and be like, this is part one, and there's definitely more going to happen. Um, so they call it Dragon Age Origins, but then the next one they call Dragon Age 2. And it's like, what was the point of calling it, like, you could have just called it Dragon Age, and then have Dragon Age 2, or Dragon Age Origins, and then Dragon Age Redwall, or something like that. Uh, maybe it wasn't Redwall. Red, Redwall is like a different thing. But, oh, Kirkwall is the city where it's based. So the cool stuff about Dragon Age 2 is that it takes Dragon Age and really polishes the gameplay of it. Um, it, like, narrows the scope very significantly. Like, Dragon Age Origins is about end, stopping a world-ending threat. Uh, Dragon Age 2 is sort of about... Uh, like living in one city, it's actually probably closer to 
a Grand Theft Auto type situation where you have one city and it's environs and it's about like sort of experiencing everything that your cool protagonist could go through in that city. Uh, and there's some big twists in it. Uh, if you don't like uh, like family members and stuff being endangered, then there's some quests you need to avoid. Um, the nice thing about Dragon Age 2 also is that um, when you make a character, uh, the computer then makes a family for your character. Like you come to the city with like a, your mom and your sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I like I just made a dark skin character when I first did it. And then so like the mom and the sister are dark skin. And I'm like, I just like triplicated the number of people of color in this game. <laughs> So that's something you can do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Age 2 was fun. Out of Dragon Age and Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age 2, and uh, the Inquisition, I really probably think the most about Dragon Age 2 and what I was doing. So it, it stuck with me a lot more than the others. Very cool. Matthew, what is in your uh, number three slot? Weirdly, um, it's one that didn't have to be my number three, but it is one. That absolutely, and I think everybody, even those who love the first iteration, will agree that Star Trek The Next Generation, which is my number three, is a better sequel than the original series of Star Trek. And I say that on two levels. Uh, One, I am a child of the 70s. I love Star Trek The Original Series. Every Sunday morning, I would watch Star Trek The Original Series. I have all 79 episodes pretty well mapped, not memorized, but pretty well mapped in my head from decades of watching. And it's not even a question of, oh, well, the effects were so much better because 40 years down the line, they're not. There is no difference between a bad CGI Enterprise D and a bad model Enterprise A that you might see in the year 2023. And it's not necessarily a question of, Uh, well, you know, the captain didn't have a bad toupee. You know, it's a question to me of just the depth and the complexity of the material. And I feel like Star Trek The Next Generation takes what you got with the original Star Trek, which was essentially, you know, uh, and Roddenberry said, it was basically a Western. It's a space Western based on 50s Western tropes. And so it has moments like, you know, with the last episode has a thing where, a major plot point is the fact that women aren't allowed to captain starships. I'm just like, mm-hmm, oh, and you have this ongoing weirdness going on with Spock and whether or not Spock is, is super hot or something. But next generation manages to get around those issues. It gives us characters who are familiar. You have, you know, a character who's searching for his humanity like Spock, but data is different, different, and almost, I would say, more complex in the way he's seeking out his humanity rather than, you know, running from it. But throughout that whole seven episode, seven series season run, Star Trek The Next Generation just got better and better and better, with the exception of a really terrible episode that we won't go into here. We won't talk about it. It did not happen. Shades of Grey is non-canon, and you can't convince me of anything else neener neener and i will tell you this is the important thing and the reason why i will tell you that this is a better show is very simple and it goes like this just last year they made a sequel 
that wrapped up Next Generation and people still cared. Sure. Ten years after the end of Star Trek, they tried to make a new version of it that wrapped everything up and brought it all back together. And people were like, boy, this movie's slow. Now, does that mean anything? No. But I'll tell you, Next Generation is better than the original series, which I love. Don't get me wrong. Don't come at me. Don't attack me. Please, for the love of God, don't phase me. All right. Great. Uh, thank you for that, Matthew. A long dissertation on uh, on Star Trek, uh, the next generation. Uh, my number three uh, is back into the video game section. And uh, I think the only reason why I put this on my list is because I really like it. I like the theme. I like the setting. It's Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I know a lot of people really dig the Assassin's Creed uh, series. I know there's a new Assassin's Creed coming up uh, very soon that uh, reintroduces a character that was introduced. I know uh, made an appearance in the uh, Scandinavian uh, one, the Vi the Viking one, um, but may have also been in a previous game. And that's all well and good and everything. But there's something about the Greek mythology and traveling through all the Greek locations and seeing them, especially if you're you know familiar, if you've done your Greek uh, literature, if you've read the stories, etc. Uh, so much of that makes an impact into this story. And again, just like they do with the other Assassin's Creed, they try to create a historical context and ensure that it is uh, in line with what historians believe that really happened. And I dig that about Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well. Plus, there's a whole uh, DLC pack where you go to Hades and you got to fight uh, the three-headed dog and all of that stuff. So uh, just for that reason, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, in my mind, is a much better sequel than the original, and that's why it's at my number three. All right. Before we get into our top two sequels that are better than the original, I want to ask everyone to take a moment and head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. You can find a bunch of bonus content. You can find, as I mentioned a little bit ago, the major spoilers podcast pre-show, which is just a general kind of discussion where we're talking about whatever is on our minds. Oftentimes, if you listen to the pre-show right after you listen to top five, you will hear us continuing discussions from this very show into that. And uh, it only costs you like five bucks a month to get four bonus shows, plus access to a bunch of other content as well. And we can certainly use your help to keep this show and all of the shows that we do at Major Spoilers going. So if you want to be a cool spoilerite, if you want to be a cool top fiver, then what you need to do is head over right now to patreon.com slash major spoilers and sign up. Join the, the fantastic group of people that are already there. So thank you so much in advance. All right. Back to our top fives. And Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, my number two is one that I think uh, a lot of people would expect to see on this list. I thought about maybe not putting it in because I talk about it a lot, but I figured it is a good opportunity to talk about it in a different context. So my number two is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. There you go. <laughs> um, Only at your number two? Weird. Be because I organize my list as far as how superior the arts of the oh, original. Oh, okay, right? okay, okay. And All right. Bill oh. and Ted's excellent adventure is very good like it's a super cute movie and in fact a lot of people like it better because it's a movie that makes sense um it, so i think you know if we go back to to matthew's uh last bit with star trek mm -hmm. um part of the reason why um the next generation is so much stronger is because it had a clarity of purpose that I think the first one didn't necessarily have because they were just kind of making it up, right? They were like figuring out where they wanted to go. 
Next Generation took that and said, what are the things about this that work? What are the things about the Federation that are resonant and interesting and important? What are the topics that we need to like look into? Um, and I think Bill and Ted's Book of Journey did the same thing uh, except backwards. Like, what are like what are the most nonsensical, like weird aspects of um, excellent adventure? Let's keep that, and then just spin it out of control and see where it lands. And I mean, you guys know that movie is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Twenty minutes in, or earlier than that, Bill and Ted die. Right. right. So uh, there's just like so much of that movie that just takes you to like very unexpected places. It's all very funny. Um, it like always uh, in- takes a-, a moment to introduce more weird characters um, and weird concepts. Um, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of like nonsense uh, stuck together with like absolutely paper thin translucent connective tissue and weirdly i think that's what makes it good um it, it's good because they could have just gone on another excellent adventure through time and that would have been fine but instead they uh you know meet god and hang out with space aliens and do all this other weird stuff um yeah so i think bogus journey uh is a much it's it's almost a smarter movie because it doesn't have a clear path to follow unlike excellent adventure which is like you know travel through time and have hijinks what what if people from before experienced the world of current day i like 1989 Dimas, right uh genghis khan would skateboard and it's like and oh, that's all fine but it's like bill and Book's journey has no roadmap like from the beginning it's just it feels like you're in a bumper car driving down like a, like San Francisco streets, you know? Anyway, uh, yeah, definitely Bogus Journey, my number two, very weird movie. Mm, okay, all right. Matthew, what, what falls into your number two slot? My number two probably should have been my number three. Uh, numerically, once again, it is numbered three, although it is technically the second. And I'm speaking, of course, of Weird Al Yankovic, colon in 3d uh weird al's second studio album if you remember uh back a million years ago he i believe that weird al's big hit was um another one rides the bus that he sent into dr demento and then released an album but by the time the second album came out in 3d al had come to the realization that you know being in a a bathroom and kicking his accordion case as a drum wasn't going to cut it. And so in 3d is the first time we see him doing the style parody, which is uh, there's one that it took me years and years to realize is a parody of the B 52s as a whole, not a specific B 52 song, but just the style of the B 52s. And of course, it's also the album that gives us Eat It, which is probably his most popular parody and the thing that really put him on the map that made his career. But if you've actually sat down and listened to it, probably the best song on the album is Midnight Star, which is a song that Al himself wrote about supermarket tabloids. And 
if you listen to that, you can definitely see why, you know, 40 years later, people are still talking about this guy. He's still making music. He's still relevant. And that's weird. And that all really came to light within 3D, which is a better album, conceptually a better album in production terms and a better album just overall than his first. Yeah, Polka's on 45 uh, is, is probably uh, one of my yes. favorite tracks on there. But, uh, you know, Buy Me a Condo, Lost on Jeopardy, King of Suede, yeah. Mr. Popeil. Those are all uh, really, really good songs. In fact, I like yeah. that album. I listened to that. My uh, parents decided that they were going to plant a lawn instead of, uh, you know, just letting wild Kansas grass do what wild Kansas grass did. <laughs> so uh, if you plant grass, you got to get these plugs and you got to put them in the ground. And uh, my parents decided that, oh, this would be a great thing for you to do. Take these big, you know, uh, chunks of, of uh, grass and cut them into little plugs and then get out there and plant them. And so I listened to Weird Al in 3D <laughs> over and over and over again that entire uh, late spring, early summer that I was planting that grass. The summer of 85. Yeah. The thing that I really love, and I didn't know this for many, I think many it was years. it was in 84. Right. Yeah. Really? Summer of 84. Yeah. I think it came out in 83. Um, Nature Trail to Hell, which is the last song of the album and is kind of a, a rock and roll parody, just a generalized crazy song that's amazing, has a back mask lyric track. And if you reverse it and play it back, it literally has the hidden lyric Satan eats cheese whiz. Mm. And I'm just like, if you, if you, that's how deep you're going to go into this is you're making fun of not just rock music, but people who might stick a back mask message or more likely the people who think that they do. That's, that's amazing. That's like, yeah. yes, next level stuff. Yep. All right. My number two is uh, kind of also been briefly mentioned. And Matthew was talking about Star Trek, the next generation better than uh, Star Trek, the original series and better than Star Trek, the motionless picture, which I totally get uh, why the motion picture came about. Right. It was it was totally there to be a showpiece of special effects and to get uh, fans back into everything that they loved. Unfortunately, the creators thought that uh, fans loved the spaceship more than they actually loved a story. Uh, right. So we got that movie, but they turned around and said, we want to do one more of these things. Can you do a follow-up to Star Trek, the motion picture? And they said, yes, yes, we can. And we can do it on a good budget. In fact, how about we make this a double sequel, not only a sequel to Star Trek, the motion picture, but uh, we will also make this a sequel to the episode called space seed. And we will bring back Ricardo Maltabon as Khan, And we will have him do a whole uh, into darkness kind of moment where uh, he is stalking and trying to uh, take revenge on Captain Kirk and every one of the Star Trek, uh, uh, the Starship Enterprise, uh, who stranded him on the wrong planet. And uh, and uh, it's a great it's a great it's a submarine battle is what it is. It's a sea battle. So if you like uh, things like Hunt for Red October and that kind of stuff, you probably would dig run, Star Trek. Run deep. Yeah, from uh, for, for Wrath of Khan. It's, it's just really, really good as far as sequels go. And. If it wasn't for the success of Wrath of Khan, you certainly wouldn't have uh, the character of um, uh, Khan in the current Strange New Worlds. You wouldn't have references to Khan throughout uh, the Next Generation series uh, because the uh, the eugenics war was was a big kind of thing that gets mentioned again and again and again in Star Trek The Next Generation. So Star Trek Wrath of Khan, definitely a sequel better than the original. So you can skip the first one, jump right into Wrath of Khan. Yeah, that's what I would say. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
We have reached the top of the charts and we are ready for our number one. And Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one sequel that is better than the original? Street Fighter 2. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did that already. Um, <laughs> but it's good to remind people because uh, we had some technical issues. And, sure, sure. And we got that resolved. All right. So, Matthew, what do you have for your number one? My number one probably should have been my number three because it is the third part of a, I'm going to say, 17 movie series. But it is also the point where everything coalesced, everything crystallized, crystal lake eyesed. At Friday the 13th, part three, uh, 1982. This is a slasher movie. When I was a child, this was incessantly on cable. Uh, one summer, we either had HBO or HBO did that weekend thing and I recorded it. Yeah. I don't know, but I've. The free week. I have yeah. seen, yeah. Friday the 13th, part three, I've seen dozens and dozens of times. Now, it's not the one with Kevin Bacon. And it's not the one uh, with uh, a guy in a bag. This is the one where Jason first puts on his hockey mask. This is the one that, for some reason, was recorded in 3D. So the murders include someone being hit POV, like you're looking at a uh, pitchfork as it comes down and stabs a guy. This is the one where he takes a spear. Why is there a spear, you ask? Nobody ever asks. You don't know. It doesn't matter. He takes a spear and kills two children. Well, I don't want to say children, two young adults in their uh, late 20s or late teens. I don't know. And stabs both of them while in flagrante delicto. This is the one that has a disabled character and kills him. And of course, you get that terrible moment where not only does he get hit in the face with a machete, but then his wheelchair rolls back and rolls down the stairs. And it's horrifying. And also weirdly progressive in a horrifying slasher movie sort of way. Um, if you've never seen three, I will tell you that the ending is a little bit of a shocker, but it also leads to four, which is not quite as good as three and five, which is more Corey Feldman and six. And then you just, you know, you go down the list from there, but this is the golden age of Friday the 13th in a golden age of 80 slasher flicks. If you look at 1982 and you look at movies like uh, April Fool's Day, if you look at movies like, it, I mean, this is all coming out of Halloween, so it's not like they originated it. But there are tons and tons of movies that want to be Friday the 13th Part 3, including many of the later Friday the 13th films. But none of them will be this good, and the ones before weren't either. There you go. All right. Uh, my number one is also uh, here for, I think, a very good reason in that uh, the director of this movie doesn't do a whole lot of sequels. In fact, uh, this trilogy of films are the only sequels that he has done uh, throughout his career so far. Uh, but when you look at the first movie, Batman Begins, and then you compare it to The Dark Knight, the movies are almost I mean, you can tell it's the same actors, it's the same characters, it's the same director, same you know, cinematographer, all those kinds of things. But the two movies feel so different from one another that if you just watch The Dark Knight, you could watch it without ever watching Batman Begins. You wouldn't even have to know that that movie exists. And, and quite frankly, every time I sit down to watch uh, this trilogy of movies again, I get about halfway through Batman Begins. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to turn this off now. But for whatever reason, The Dark Knight featuring a magnificent performance by um, the, the, the late great Heath Ledger. 
uh, just is it knocks you out of out of the park uh, with uh, how good that performance of the Joker is. And so when you look at the Batman movies, especially when we look at Batman Begins, uh, The Dark Knight is a much, much better movie than than the original. And really, of the three, it is the best of the three movies uh, that Nolan did. Uh, so there you go. That's my number one, The Dark Knight. And that's where we're going to wrap up the episode this week. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and checking us out. If you have a list, your own list, not somebody else's list, but your own list of sequels that are better than the original, we want you to share them with us and the rest of the top five community. You can do, do that by joining the Major Spoilers uh, Discord server. You can join the Discord server completely free. And then you jump down into the top five channel and you can share your, your list. Everyone will read your list. They will share their own list. They will talk about each other's lists. Why? Because everyone loves a list and we will talk with you soon. This podcast is copyright 2023 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.